The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Rhodes and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Reaction Time. I'm Jacqueline Cordova and I'm joined by my co-host Ben Visser, but lost my words there. Um, Courtesy of our friends at Fairway. Ben, how are you? I am great. I mean, we had a great week, great weekend of wrestling. Um, Iowa State did kind of what we expected them to do, yep. and maybe even a gr- degree farther than what we expected them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, good week. Yeah, I this weekend was like a weird one with, I think Iowa State playing on Saturday at 9. Yeah. Kind of like threw the weekend off, you know, a little, mm-hmm. but like in a good way. I actually ended up really enjoying it. That's good. I saw your tweets about going to bed at halftime. I didn't quite go to bed at <laughs> halftime. I stayed up just because I was having so much fun watching the game. Right. Um, that I stayed up until Jalen Noel got his second touchdown, that that one where he ran, I think, like his, it was a 46 yard or somewhere mm-hmm. in that range. It's like, all right, well, this game's over. I'm going to go to bed. And I think that was at like <laughs> 1130. So you can call me soft if you want. That's fine. Um, but I had a busy Sunday planned. So um wanted to go to bed early. And then I wanted to have the energy for the wrestling match. So right. Which, a nice little buffer in between, right? 6 p.m. Well, I went to the basketball game, too. Did you? So that was part of it. Oh, so you had a full day. I did. See, I did not. I was like, you know what? I stayed up late for football, and I have wrestling, so I'm going to enjoy my Sunday and not watch basketball. So That's fair. I have to have balance sometimes. Yep, you need balance. But my boss was out of town. He's like, hey, do you want to take us? like, well, yes, I do. So Why not? That worked out. But like you said, wrestling duel. I got there early. I got there way early. I got to talk to Nate Carr Jr. before the duel. Awesome. So I was there at like 3.30. That is early. It wow. was it was nice, honestly. Very quiet. I enjoy a quiet Hilton mm. once in a while. Not during the duels, of, of course. course. But um, yeah, Iowa State hosted Davidson. Like we talked about last week, Nate Carr Jr., a.k.a. David's older brother. He's the head coach on his second season. And Marcus Coleman is now his new assistant. So um, fun little homecoming for the Carr family, for Marcus, literally his home. Mm-hmm. He is from Ames, grew up in Ames. Um, so it was a fun little fun little weekend for him. Uh, 50 to nothing. Yep. Shut out win. Like you said, I expected that, but I don't know that I expected it to be 50 to nothing. No. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it'd be more in the Cleveland State range of, 40-something to potentially zero or 40-something to potentially three. Um, Averaging a tech fall fall per victory was not on my bingo card. So that was really, really impressive to see. Um, And I wanted to get your take on someone on the floor. To me, the loudest moment in Hilton was when Nate Carr Jr. and Marcus were honored after that fourth match. Like, to me, they got a standing ovation. That was, I knew that happened. But to me, from sitting up top, it sounded really, really loud. Yes. Um, was that the loudest moment of the dual meet? Yeah, I would say so. I think the crowd was um, definitely spoiled and that they knew Iowa State was going to dominate. And clearly, I mean, obviously everybody was excited, every win. How do you not? But I think it was just like a little extra special to have Marcus and Nate Carr Jr. come back. So, yeah, the crowd was very excited. It was a very full crowd. It was. From what you normally see from the home opener um, just because it's usually a team people aren't always super excited about or it's just I mean dresser said it, he's like it's a 6 p.m. so it's kind of probably under attended compared to what it would have been had there not been any basketball and they could have wrestled it too but yeah it was it was pretty cool people did a standing ovation for him and 
it's funny because I feel like in my interview with Nate Hart Jr., just the way he talks, you can tell he's not as like, I don't know, like out there as like Nate Carr Sr. or like David's really good at kind of speaking like a very loud voice in a room. So mm-hmm. him next to Marcus, who's very much like quiet, Marcus is way more like, um, how do you say it? Um, Cerebral. Lead by example. Sure. Yep. I'm thinking of him as a coach. So, you know, he's very much like quiet, kind of like Derek St. John as mm-hmm. well. So it's just funny that they're two very quiet people who clearly weren't necessarily looking to be the center of attention in that moment, but they got it. People were excited. I was excited. It was fun. I, I like when it adds a little extra story to the duel. For sure. Um, but like we said, 50 to nothing. Give me your takeaways. What what stood out for you or, or who specifically stood out? Yep. So uh, Kyson Terakina, I want to shout him out again. He got his first tech fall in the first weekend, his first ever tech fall, got his second ever tech fall this weekend. Um, I like seeing him score points. And Dresser had said this before too. Kyson was a guy who would win, but he wouldn't necessarily take that step to put his opponent away. So I like seeing that he's putting opponents away this year. I think that's going to bode well for him later in the year. Um, uh, we have to talk about Cody Chittam's debut. <laughs> yep. That was, um, I liked what I saw out of Cody. He won by major decision. It was a hard fought, uh, major decision. And we learned after the dual meet, maybe this is something that we should have known before, but dresser informed us that his opponent represented Puerto Rico in the world wrestling championships. So he was not wrestling some slouch. If you're representing a country, you're a good wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, so for Cody Chittam to win by major decision was impressive. And then I think if you look beyond the score, which was 12, uh, 13 to 3, and you see how that match was wrestled, you saw Cody dominate more than what the score showed. Um, he was definitely the aggressor. He was pushing forward the whole time. He weirdly got hit for a stall call one time, and it was like, why <laughs> is that happening? Um, but he forced a ton of stall calls. I think, um, Cody's going to be a guy as he figures out how to score on some of these more stingy wrestlers is going to be really, really good. Um, and another thing dresser said, this was his first folk style match. He'd been wrestling freestyle for the last year and a half. This was his first folk style match in a year and a half. So, um, just getting that back under him, you can tell he's pretty good on top. I was surprised Mm -hmm. by that. I wasn't quite sure what to expect from him on top, but he knows what he's doing. So He's going to be a guy as, as he gets back on the mat, as he shakes the mat rust off, he's going to be really, really good. I would just like to bring up how his walkout song is I Like to Move It from the movie <laughs> Madagascar yep. because I was sitting there and I was like, is that I Like to Move Like, is that legit? Is this a walkout song? And he's just like, if you haven't seen him yet, he's always like stone-faced. He always looks very serious, very just in the zone and looks angry, mean, which is great. I mean, that's, that's what you want from a wrestler, a wrestler, right? Yep. Um, but it's just so funny that he came out to that, which tells me that he's probably actually really funny. Mm-hmm. Something tells me he's like the guy who will make one-liners. Yep. I don't know that. We'll have to ask some of the guys and see what their takes are. But I thought that was funny. It kind of showed some of his personality that we haven't seen yet. So I enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, his match was definitely, I was sitting there. I hate when matches go in this like annoying like fallout have to reset something's going on the refs are now trying to figure out what the call what the proper call should be there was so many breaks in momentum Mm -hmm. and i hated that because we couldn't watch them just really go at it and give or take his opponent there were moments where they were definitely like 
purposely falling out of yep. the um, ring so that they could have to restart. But that was so frustrating to watch. The fans were definitely starting to get pissed. They were yelling behind me. I, I think that's my favorite part is being able to hear people behind me. They were definitely animated about it. So a, a funky way for Cody Chittum to make his um, Iowa State start. So I'm excited to see him. Like you said, just kind of see where he goes moving forward and see him get more tough competition. And yeah, that was exciting. I'm excited. I wish uh, Will Felt can't put have made his start. Yeah. It, it sounded like he got close. Um, it sounded like they had him weigh in, get down to weight. And it sounds like he wrestled a simulated match uh, in the back of Hilton. So uh, we asked Dresser today, which is Tuesday, um, about Feldkamp. And it sounds like if he has a good week, similar to Chittum last week, Feldkamp will be good to go for this weekend against Wisconsin. So um, that'll be another one to watch. Uh, if you don't know, Feldkamp is a returning All-American. So um, he's going to be a fun addition to the lineup at 184. Um, but speaking of which, I mean, Caleb Hullickson at 184 has done a fine job anchoring yeah. that. Um, he's he's not going to beat out Feldkamp, let's make that clear. But um, to have your backup, and maybe even the backup's backup, because I kind of expected Tate Noctaborn to be that guy. As well. Um, to have your third string guy be that good, it's like, oh, we got a guy there. Um, then 97, Julian Broderson, I thought, um, again, we had some questions about Julian after the wrestle-off. You barely beat nando Scusa, who is probably a walk-on um and then nando goes out and beats a, a ranked guy against cleveland state and then it's like okay so julian might be ready for this 197 stuff and he goes out there headlocks a guy 45 second pin it's like okay well again this is davidson let's <laughs> let's make sure we don't get too far ahead of ourselves right but still pinning the guy in 45 seconds isn't easy so i liked what i saw to julian a lot i think that's the like love and hate relationship you can have with julian broderson is he will have matches where he is so explosive, so dominant. Like it almost makes me think of like Jason Kreiser. Well, you'll get him like really, really good or you'll get really, really bad. And Julian's never necessarily really bad. There's just like certain matches. He just just like a fire. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure the emotional side of things, you know, it was the first match in Hilton and he's been very vocal about his excitement to compete with his daughter in the stands. When he won, he immediately blew a kiss towards the section she was sitting in. He brought her to the press conference, mm -hmm. which is, I, I know it can be a nuisance <laughs> in the pros yeah. when those kids are kind of old enough to talk, yep. but I just loved having her in there with him. Um, I guess I can, promote it. I am writing a story on Julian Broderson and him being a father and being able to capture a photo of Olive just chilling in the press conference mm -hmm. is great. So I did love that. I did. I, I feel like Julian's the type of wrestler where this will definitely boost his confidence um, moving forward and it'll keep that fire in him instead of, you know, maybe starting with almost kind of losing to Fernando or Nando, sorry, yep. Nando Fiascusa. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with you with Julian kind of needing a fire. And I think his daughter might provide that because when you, uh, you asked a question at the press conference about what was it like having your daughter there and stuff. And like he legitimately started tearing up. Like mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, this guy loves his daughter. He which does. obviously, which is right. great. That's what we're rooting for, right? Of course. <laughs> but like you could just, oftentimes you see wrestlers as these hard guys that aren't going to show emotion. Like, no, here's this guy, 197 pounder, just pinned a guy. And he's going to start tearing up about his daughter. So well, I thought that was great. When I interviewed him, I, not to give the whole story away, but one of the questions I asked him was like, you know, coming back, it's a, it's a hard decision to continue to do it. And especially because clearly he's moving on to a next 
transition of his life, right? He's mm. a father, he's engaged, you know, they're going to want to start their life together. And he said that his main reason to come back and compete is being able to have his daughter grow up and be able to look back at him coming back and going through the motions of being a student athlete and being the best he can and being a father at the same time. So like his entire motivation is truly rooted in his daughter and making her proud. And she's just like a tiny little peanut right now. <laughs> So it's just, yeah, it's it's a neat thing. You don't tend to see too many <laughs> college wrestlers out here with their kids in the stands. So special case there. Mm -hmm. Or as everybody says on Twitter, it's the dad strength. It's the dad strength. He's yeah. got it. He, Bumped he up to 97 does. from 74. And yeah, he, he whipped that guy over. <laughs> and I mean, I'm sure he has the same opinion as younger. He gets to eat more now. Mm -hmm. He probably feels so much better being able to fit more comfortably into this weight. So... It, it's nice, honestly, to see how guys have been moving around and how it's benefiting the lineup, um, especially when we look ahead to tougher opponents. I think truly the lineup is shaping up really, really nicely. Yep, and it's going to continue to shape up. We uh, we talked to Dresser today, and <laughs> there is some lineup action that's going to be happening. Um, first of all, they're going to have a few wrestle-offs at some key weights, which we knew was going to happen. That's likely going to happen on Thursday. And one thing that had been a little bit talked about but never discussed was <clears throat> Anthony Echemendia, who is currently at 49. He will be moving down to 141. Um, so unfortunately for Jacob Frost, he will not win that wrestle-off. <laughs> but um, Anthony Echemendia will slot into a 41. And then Casey Swiderski will make his season debut um, for the team. Obviously, he wrestled unattached this last weekend at Grandview. Right. Casey Swiderski will make his season debut at 149. Um, I think that makes a ton of sense mm -hmm. for Iowa State. When Anthony first committed to Iowa State, I was like, oh, he's going to wrestle at 41. Right. And then when they said, no, he's 49, I was like, that's three guys. Because Pedro <laughs> Johnson at the time, we didn't know what was going to happen. It's like, that's three guys, three potential All-Americans, all at one weight. I don't see that happening. Now, unfortunately from Pinero, the NCAA came down with their ruling. He will be out for the year. Um, so his red shirt decision was kind of made for him. Um, and then I think the coaching staff and Anthony and Casey handled this as best they could and said, all right, we're going to move Anthony down, Casey, you're going to stay at 49, and you're going to have two potential All-Americans at 41 and 49. And um, I think that's going to do wonders for Iowa State. It definitely makes them consistently competitive at every single weight. Um, obviously, it sucks from what we've seen Jacob be able to do so far. But at the end of the day, you're trying to build a You want to be a top three team. Yeah, you want to get a team title, and the best way you're going to do that is by something like this, moving Anthony down to 141. He, um, I will say this week, this weekend, being able to watch him really up close, I enjoy his style. He's very scrappy. I like the way he's kind of all over the mat. Um, I really enjoy watching him wrestle. So I think it's going to be exciting again, to see them start to get into tougher competition. And Anthony's obviously very talented and I'm excited to have Casey in the lineup. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of him. Obviously, we've talked about that. But when it came down to putting him side by side to Anthony at 149, it just kind of made more sense that Anthony had a little more edge on him. But now you get both best of both worlds. Yep. So I think this is a really great decision for the team. Um, I'm curious if Evan, you know, keeps 133. Dresser sounds like he's having wrestle-offs left and right. Mm -hmm. um, it sounds like he's going to have one Thursday heading into um, – the duel against Wisconsin. So I'm curious to see what ends up happening at 133. Yeah, 33 will be interesting. Um, my assumption is Evan Frost will still be the guy. 
you do have some questions of does Zach Redding move down? Does Garrett Grice, the transfer from Virginia, does he win that spot? Um, when I watched the wrestle-offs, the ones that were in lead on Saturday before the season, I thought Evan was significantly better. Mm-hmm. Like it just, he looked better. He wrestled better. I'm like, all right, that's the guy. I, I'd be surprised if he lost the spot. Um, dressers also said they're gonna have a off at 125. Again, Ethan Perman had a good season or had a good tournament down in Grandview. So maybe they just want to make sure, but I would be shocked if Kyson's not the guy. Uh, sounds like they're gonna wrestle off at uh, 97 too with Broderson and Nando because now that Nando beat a top 25 guy, I'm like, we got to right. get the guy a chance now. You deserve a seat at the table. Um, so that's gonna be another one. Again, I'm I'm expecting Broderson to win that one, but we saw Nando beat a top 25 guy, so. We'll see what happens with that. So, yeah, a couple of wrestle-offs to watch ahead of the Wisconsin duel. We're not, I don't think we're going to find out the results of those until the Wisconsin duel. <laughs> yeah. But um, things to watch as we get lineups for that. Well, and I think it's, I think it's a good thing. I think, obviously, Dresser is the head coach for a reason, right? I think when you look at the lineup and you look at these guys, I love that they're being challenged to not feel safe in their starting mm-hmm. spots. I think that's good. I think it's going to keep them just i don't know what what, keep an edge on them as they head into a duel like iowa you know that's not going to be easy regardless of what happened with their starting lineup due to gambling with them losing what was it four starters Mm -hmm. i was still tough yep like the if there's anything the brands have is that they're working to fill those spots and they're not just filling it with random cupcakes you know they're working to get the best that they can find Mm -hmm. so I think it's good that these guys have to feel a little on edge and they have to keep, um, like David said today, in availability. David gave a great answer when I asked him about just what's the energy been like with guys having to wrestle off so much and compete for these spots. And he talked about how Dresser preaches a lot about how, you know, stay in your weight. Make sure to always be ready to be the starter, even if you're not necessarily going to be the starter. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in the past, that wasn't always the case. It makes me think of situations like, throwback to when Jacob Allison broke mm-hmm. his arm or something yep. and they had to bring in Sinjin Brig, Biggs, Briggs, Briggs, Briggs. Yep. Gosh, so, shout sorry. out to, shout out to Sinjin. He <laughs> was not good, but he competed. <laughs> you know, like that's what I'm saying. 125 is kind of hard because I feel like those guys typically are pretty small, but like, it's good that these guys, even those backups are just at all times have to kind of be like, am I next? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that's going to make them better. And it's going to make them really competitive against really good programs. When you have every single person in that room at all times, ready to go, that means they're all pushing each other. And I mean, look at Anthony and Casey, mm-hmm. those guys were at a, just in a gauntlet yep. at a wrestle off and lead like that. I feel not necessarily like <laughs> fighting each other at all times, but I, I think it's good to be competitive with each other. Absolutely. You should be. So I'm excited. This is good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> David Carr gave the example that um, Kevin Dresser gave the team, it sounds like. Kevin Dresser at Iowa did not wrestle his freshman year and did not wrestle the first part of his sophomore year. Then he won the wrestle-off for a second semester of sophomore year, went on to become an All-American, and then a two-time national champion. So just because a guy is not starting at the beginning of the season, Casey Swiderski, doesn't mean that he can't become right. that guy. And uh, Dresser was saying that... Um, while Casey does have a, that hot streak <laughs> that we've all seen before, the coaching staff believes that he is starting to hone that in a very positive manner. So I'm excited to see what that potentially looks like. I also really want to see Casey attacking early. 
Yep. That's the the biggest thing I want to see from Casey is get to your offense early. We've all seen how he can go at get after it um, in the third period and do those sorts of things. But I want to see early offense from Casey, especially the three point takedown. Um, he's wrestling a guy that he wrestled last year um, from Wisconsin named Joseph Vargo. Last year he beat him ten to five um, with the new takedown rules. That looks like fifteen to five. That's a major decision. Mm-hmm. Joseph Joseph Vargo is a nationally ranked guy. So I want to see Casey get on that offense early and often um, and just see what he can do. Just he's he, he is an exciting wrestler. He has that fire, that mean streak that you look for in a wrestler. And if he can channel that in a positive way, like Dresser is saying he, he is right now, um, he's going to be a force. Yeah, Casey's my, like I said, I think I tweeted this. What I love about Casey is his fire because that's the type of wrestlers I really look forward to. I like the scrappy ones. I like the mean ones. I like the ones that stir the pot. Mm -hmm. And Casey stirs the pot in the right ways. And sometimes it just gets a little too much. And I mean, I like it. And honestly, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, we're going to focus on Wisconsin. But like Casey being back in the lineup makes me even much more excited for Iowa Mm -hmm. because he was so scrappy. Him and Real Woods were just... I think if it wasn't for refs and coaches, they probably would have just gone at it right there. So I'm excited to have him back in there. Um, Coach said he had a really good two weeks. Great Um, two weeks. Best two weeks he's ever seen. Yeah, just from terms of his wrestling and just how he's, you know, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? The way he's carried himself. yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited. Like, it sounds like everything's pretty positive coming out of the program. Mm -hmm. And that's when I start to get nervous. (laughs) Because I'm just like pessimistic. I'm like, When's the pen going to drop? Yeah. <laughs> but Iowa State's headed to Humboldt this weekend. Exciting stuff. It's home of Kevin Dresser. They're going to be taking on Wisconsin, which is led by Chris Bono, who was assistant coach. He's an assistant coach for Iowa State. For Iowa State. Kevin Jackson for a couple of years. So if you want to keep the Iowa State connections rolling in these tools, and uh, Coach Dresser let us know that Chris's wife is a Humboldt uh, native. Mm-hmm. So... Again, connections. And Dresser <laughs> wants to embarrass her in front of her friends and family. I'm curious I'm curious if they're going to do anything just like fun little. They might. I could see him doing it just because Dresser's that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it should be good. I, I have a good relationship with Chris Bono just because I covered an Iowa State-South Dakota State duel way back when, <laughs> back when Chris Bono was at South Dakota State. And I was the only reporter there, and I was the only one person asking questions. Um, so me and Chris had a really great conversation after that duel meet just about random things and why I was there. I was like, well, I'm from South Dakota originally. So yep. it was a homecoming for me just to see my parents <laughs> and then watch wrestling. So we had a really great conversation. We've stayed in touch since. And um, I'll be talking to Chris Bono tomorrow on Wednesday, which I'm very excited about because he's he's not quite a car where you come away super encouraged every time. <laughs> but he, he's in that same vein to where like you can't help but talk to him and feel just awesome afterward. He has so much great energy um, and you can see that in his wrestlers too. Like they wrestle with an energy and a passion that is fun to watch. And so, yeah, I'm going to talk to Bono tomorrow. I'm very excited about that. I will be sure to ask what he thinks about Dresser wanting to embarrass his wife's friends and family. For, <laughs> um, so that'll be fun to get his reaction for that. But um, yeah, I think the Wisconsin duel just in general, they're down a little bit this year. They graduated their heavyweight All-American Trent Hilger, um, Braxton Amos, their 97 pounder. He was, I think, a world junior champion, I believe, or a world medalist for sure. World junior medalist. Let's make it. Yeah. Um, He is taking an Olympic redshirt this year, which is interesting to me. It's up to him. He can do what he wants. 
Um, but they essentially don't have their heavyweight or the 97 pounder. Um, Iowa State already beat them 26 to 6 last year. They didn't add really anyone that moves the needle too much for me. So I would expect something in the same vein as last year in that 26 to 6 range, but um, different things can happen. There are still really good matchups across the board um, that we can get into. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I would, I'm really looking forward to Iowa State kind of starting to get into tougher opponents. Um, not that, you know, Cleveland State, Davidson, it's great to just kind of see guys in action, but I mean, 50 to nothing. Yeah. And then Wisconsin just wrestled Lindenwood and they won, oh, what was this final score? 41 to four. Yeah. So really both programs are walking in with not much to go off of, mm -hmm. right? And so I'm excited to see him get just a little extra edge in competition. I'm excited to see Chris Bono. I've never met him. Um, He's so great. I'm very excited. I follow him on Twitter. He's a great follow. I, like you said, he does send out some pretty inspirational tweets that I enjoy. I love you know, wrestling brains and he's a good one. So I'm excited and Humboldt's a fun little, fun little place to be to watch wrestling. Last, last season I got to be there and it's definitely exactly how they describe it. It's a gym, you know, it's a high school gym. People are sitting very close to you. I mean, I just show up and walk mm -hmm. in and go take my spot. So I'm excited for that. You're not going, right? I'm not. Nope. Okay. Yeah, I'll be making that that drive. I don't love the drive. The drive's kind of boring, <laughs> but excited to be in Humboldt. <laughs> yep. um, but match we're looking forward to the most, David Carr. Yep. So he'll get some good competition. What are your thoughts? What are you expecting from this match? Yeah, great question. So he's wrestling Dean Hamidi, is I think how you pronounce his last name. And Dean was an All-American last year. He's ranked number four this year. David Carr is ranked number two. Um, last year in the match, David Carr beat him seven to five. And he looked better. I think he got taken down once. David did. Um, and I believe he took Dean down three times. So with the new rules, that's a little bit more separation there, right? So instead of seven to five, it's 10 to six, probably. So that's four points. Um, you're a little bit more comfortable in that range. So uh, I would expect David Carr to win, but this is absolutely going to be his first test of the season. Mm -hmm. If he's expected to go toe to toe with Keegan O'Toole, which we all expect him to do, he's got to beat Dean and it has to be relatively convincing. Right. So that's going to be a match where you expect David to win, but how does he win? Right. And today in availability, when we spoke with David, he talked about how this summer he took time off from doing tournaments and really training, uh, like he has in past summers and really just focused on his folk style, his weight and how he's training and how he's eating. And I think what I love about David, when he talks about how he's changing things, mm -hmm. it's always so fascinating to me because it's, he's obviously so talented. He's, he's, he has been a champion, you know, junior world medalist. So when guys that are to the caliber that David Carr is. And he's like, oh yeah, I've been making changes this summer. Yep, exactly. Like what changes mm -hmm. are you making? And why? Like <laughs> if it's not broken, don't fix it. But like he's he got second and second is broken to David. Second right. is not fixed. So first is fixed. So he need he wanted to make some changes and get those things right. And I think that's, it's a very admirable because it'd be so easy to just stay the same and hope that right. the match turns out differently this next time against Keegan O'Toole. He's not hoping he is making real and tangible changes to make that happen. Right. Which I think is what 
sets him apart so much. I don't know Keegan O'Toole very well. Like, I don't know what his training's like. Maybe I'll deep dive into that come March. But in terms of David, I think that's what sets him apart is that he's always such a sponge. He's mm -hmm. always, he's very vocal about it. And that's where his, that's where we see how humble he is, right? He, he always admits like, oh yeah, I'm trying to learn more. I'm trying to change this. I'm trying to improve this. How can I be a better entertainer? Because not only is he trying to be a very like, technically sound wrestler but he wants to be fun so that people enjoy watching him and people do i mean that was what he said he enjoyed right is going to humble and putting on a show for the people who show up at that duel which is just what a ambassador for the program mm -hmm. um we'll definitely get into the sad david carr is leaving segments come <laughs> later in the season yeah second semester we'll save that for yeah second we'll, semester. we'll save that for later but um no, he's great. And I really look forward to seeing him go up against the number four guy because that's just going to be a really good match. That alone should be a good reason to watch uh, mm -hmm. on Sunday, which you can on UFC Fight Pass. Yep, so. which was great. The production value that they had for the Cleveland State Duel was incredible. You. So watch that. Um, if you can't, if you don't want to pay the money, which I think it's probably worth it to pay it. But if you don't, mm -hmm. David Carr's dad, Nate Carr Sr., will be on the radio call in Varsity Sports app. So either way, you'll be able to follow along. Um but I would, I would recommend the fight pass. Um, another match that'll be fun is 125. Yes. Uh, assuming Kyson Tarakina is going to get the start um, after their wrestle-offs, which I would assume, which honestly, <laughs> impressive to uh, Perryman that he is doing something right and doing it well that Dresser was like, you know what? You do get a chance. Mm -hmm. You do get a shot at Kyson Tarakina again. So um, shout out to him. He did pretty good for Iowa State uh, stepping in with Kyson being out last season, but 125 is number five, Eric Barnett. I don't know too much about him, but I mean, anytime you get to wrestle a top five guy, that's a really good opportunity. And from what coach has said about Kyson, kind of the way he still has to clean up some of those little things that might hold him back in a match. Um, I'm excited to see it, especially since he just got two back-to-back -back tech fall wins. Mm -hmm. Like you got him not only because, I mean, he's a good wrestler, he put in the work, but that three-point takedown rule is really working in his favor. If you want to talk about a guy, ugh, I hate saying that, that's such coach speak. <laughs> talk you about a guy. You said it last week, and I was like, that is such a Matt Campbell thing to say. Sure is. But if you want to talk about a guy who is benefiting very much from that rule, it's Kyson Tarakina. So I'm excited to see if he can post as much as maybe not as many i don't know what that's going to look like but if he can you know go in that bonus point range i think that'll make me feel way confident about where he's at after being out all season and then having to you know heal and then retrain back into it so what are your thoughts on that yeah i think it's gonna be a really fun match last year kyson beat eric barnett seven, uh, nine to seven in sudden victory so it had to go to overtime uh, but kyson did get that takedown in sudden victory I don't know if that's what I'm expecting this time around. Um, Kyson is still getting some Matt Rust off. He missed an entire year. And Coach Dresser said it last week. Those labrums and the ACLs, he didn't have an ACL, but he had a torn labrum. The labrums and the ACLs take forever to come back from because you have to trust mm -hmm. it again. And it's, it is still probably stiff to some degree. Um, so getting that trust back is going to be something that hopefully Kyson has gotten some trust back in his shoulder that like, hey, I can go out there and do the things that I want to do. But... Um, that's going to be a really interesting match to watch just because Kyson did beat him last year. And I'm sure Eric Barnett has not forgotten that. So, <laughs> because Eric Barnett was ranked number six last year before Kyson beat him. Yeah. 
So it was just one of those things where you're top 10 guy and you, get, you got beat by last year. Kaisen was ranked number 27. That's not, that's not going to fly. So right. we'll see how Eric Barnett responds. We'll see how Kaisen, see if he can do it again. Um, that's going to be a fun one. And then the other one that I think I'm really looking forward to is um, Casey Swiderski, just because he gets Joseph Vargo again. Last year, Joseph, Var- Joseph Zargo was ranked number 11. And Casey, true freshman coming out of seemingly nowhere. Like he was a highly rated recruit, yes, mm-hmm. but we didn't know anything about him. This was his first match, essentially. And he goes out and beats him 10 to 5. So those three matches are the three matches that um, are going to be really entertaining and very good. Um, every other match, I think, is pretty decisive in Iowa State's favor. Um, but those three, I think, are going to be really fun ones to watch. Yeah, I agree. It'll be, and it's a good balance, right? You got 125, 149, and then 165. And then we can just coast into younger. Yeah, oh man. So, well, so here's the deal. <laughs> here's the deal, guys. Um, <laughs> with, younger Bastida has wrestled two, one okay heavyweight with a Cleveland State guy, and one guy who is overmatched from the second to whistle blue in the <laughs> Davidson guy. Uh, he's going to get another not great wrestler from Wisconsin. Like I said, they graduated um, their All-American heavyweight, Trent Hilger, and now they got a, they wrestled against Lindenwood, a guy named Peter Christensen is who Wisconsin set out, and he was the only loss. He lost to Lindenwood's David Hernandez by major decision, 17-2. to two. And David Hernandez, I don't believe, is ranked for Lindenwood, and so if that guy is losing by major decision to an unranked heavyweight, I... I'm a little bit afraid for him with what's going to happen uh, <laughs> when he wrestles younger Bastida. So it'll be fun to watch. And I think that should be another probably tech fall for younger, which will be great. I just want to watch <laughs> younger go up against <laughs> someone really good and like just a little bigger than him, you know, just like a, a good 20, 25 pounds on him. I just want to see him be in that scenario, I want to see what that looks like. I want to see, you know, Younger's very confident that the weight of his opponents is not going to be an issue. And I'm not doubting him. Like, he he is huge. He is strong. I trust him, especially after watching Sam Schuyler, you know, be a smaller heavyweight and be able to hang with uh, bigger guys. But I just want to see Younger in that position. So... Yeah, we saw it a little bit with the Cleveland State guy because he was a full-size heavyweight, mm-hmm. and we did see him take down Younger, but um, after the first 40 seconds of that match, Younger right. was like, all right, this is right. we're done with this, and put him away. Um, I'm looking at Iowa's heavyweights. I was just looking that up as well. Yep, and obviously Cassiope is gone. Um, unfortunately for him, similar Panero-Johnson situation. He was gambling, and that's a no-no. Um, so they have uh, Easton Fleshman, who I've never heard of, uh, Bradley Hill, who I've never heard of, Ben Keeter, which was the number one. Um, he was a very, very highly rated recruit, definitely the highest rated recruit heavyweight in the nation. He's the Iowa guy who is playing both football and wrestling. Um, people are unsure of what his future holds in terms of which sport he could be best at. But he was, I think, a four-star recruit for football as well. So this is a guy, Ben Keeter. I talked to him multiple times, interestingly, at the wrestling state tournament. First time when he was a freshman, he was a four-time state champion in the state of Iowa. Started at um, 60, yeah, started at 160, then 172, 180, whatever it is, high school, 185. And then he was 220 his senior year. And every year he won it. And most of the time when you get a four-time state champion, 
they start at the little weights. They start at like 113 or whatever, or 120. But to start at 160, which is your high school seniors who are 160. So he's as true as freshman in high school <laughs> wrestling seniors, and he's he's beating them pretty good. So this Ben Keeter, I don't know. Um, I'm assuming they're going to want to redshirt him. He's but six three. He's huge. He is a massive human being. Also, maybe one of the nicest people ever. Um, incredibly well spoken. I am a big Ben Keeter fan. Um, he, they have the redshirt rule where he can wrestle however many matches mm-hmm. and still maintain a redshirt. I would not be surprised. I was just gonna say if we saw Ben Keeter roll out there in the Hawkeye singlet and be like, "All right, younger, what are we gonna do here?" Because they're both phenomenal athletes. I said this on the podcast earlier. If younger was born in America, he'd be playing football. He'd be playing football at the divisional level. So two absolutely phenomenal athletes. Both guys, the younger Basita is like 6'2". This guy's 6'3". They're both built like a truck. Like it's <laughs> like Ben Keeter is not a full-size heavyweight either. He might be in that 235. Well, what's the football roster? 220. Having? Okay. So they're pretty. Yeah, they're right there. I don't know how tall younger is. I think he's 6'2". He's okay. not He's not taller than me, but he's he's not short at all. I would say I had heels on when we talked to him, yeah. so that was kind of. I would say 6'2", 6'3", okay. for younger. Oh, yeah, I guess your height. Yeah. God, that is huge. Yeah. Listen, all I'm saying is all I can think about is I want younger and White Hendrickson <laughs> to go ahead. I'm sure I'm I'm sure that's not the ideal for them, but yeah, no. As always, the younger Basita fan club over here. Yep. Um, no, he's great. He's fun to watch. And I mean, people love him. Mm-hmm. Hilton definitely enjoys watching him. So <laughs> you know, it's fine if he has a quick win on Sunday, because at least we know. The yeah. Iowa match might be a weird one. Oh, we should have asked Dresser if what weight they're going to start at. I could see them ending at 65 with David mm-hmm. Carr and Dean Amitty. Um, just because, like, well, yeah, you could end with Younger and have that be fireworks. Or you could end with the match of the dual meet. And I'm guessing because both Dresser and Chris Bono are promoters, they love promotion, entertainers. entertainers. I could see them ending at 65, which I think I'd be all for that. Yeah, I mean, might as well. Because I honestly, I don't know why I expected them to do it differently this weekend. Um, but I guess in the grand scheme of things, it didn't really matter. But this one, I could see it. Yeah. Why not? Might as well end with a bang, keep people around. Not that people leave humble early, <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. Do you have any final thoughts? <laughs> final thoughts are or any, any big, oh, you know what? Yes. I never shared my nugget. Oh, from Nacar Jr. Yes. So like I said, I interviewed Nacar Jr. before the duel. I just really wanted to talk to him about, you know, getting the opportunity to come back and coaching against his brother and, you know, how exciting that was. One of the things he said that was my favorite uh, line in the interview was that he said, all of this is because my parents met names one day in the 80s. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, what? That is like such a like fictional yeah. like line, you know, the start of a book. Um, but he had said that they had considered having the Davidson duel at Jack Trice. Mm. Interesting. I would have been curious what that looks like for attendance. Yeah. It probably would have been decent just because of the novelty of it. Right. Um, but I would, I, I think the Jack, if, well, you see, you can't though. I was going to say Missouri, but that's in February and you can't do that. Can you imagine? Um and I don't know if you want to do it for Iowa just because they're the ones that did it first. So it might be a future thing to watch out for. Like if they, if they get, if they get Missouri for some reason early in the season next year, 
I could see him doing it, doing it then. Be like, all right, Missouri, November. Let's get in Jack Trice early November, ideally, mm-hmm. um, and see if we can't sell 30,000, 40,000 tickets. That'd be insane. That'd be nuts. <laughs> that was my one nugget that I had thought of that I was like, oh, I should share that. Yep. So do you got any? <laughs> no, no nuggets. But the thing I'm looking forward to big picture wise is what the lineup looks like. Yeah. Are there any expected unexpected wins in the wrestle offs? Um, what does Anthony Etchemendia look like at 141? Um, those are the two big things. We don't think Wisconsin has Felix. Ooh, ooh, can't pronounce his last name. Um, but an unranked guy at 141. So that should be an easier match for Anthony. But again, he's going to have to cut that weight. Mm-hmm. What does that weight cut look like for him? Can he handle it well? Because we saw Younger last year, right, with his weight cut and just how brutal it was for him. Younger won matches last year because he's more talented than the other guy, not because he's right. feeling good. This year, he's winning matches because he's feeling good and more talented. Um, I think we're seeing a different Younger. I want I want to make sure that we see the same Anthony Echemendia that we have been seeing. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's always kind of a risk, right, when guys are going to cut weight. That's kind of like why the discussion with Zach Redding, mm-hmm. just looking at him, coach has not said anything. We haven't asked coach about it. I just don't think a Zach Redding weight cut would be healthy. No. I think he would not wrestle to the best of his abilities. And I really hope that's not the case with Anthony. He's obviously done it before. Yeah, yep. So he knows what it feels like. He knows what it takes to be 141. Um, I just like younger. I mean, he's always in the weight room. I, mm-hmm. From what I gathered, they were in the weight room <laughs> all summer. So I'm curious what that'll look like. But I mean, if there's anything Anthony has, it's that, you know, he's a seasoned wrestler. Mm -hmm. This isn't his first rodeo. He understands what it's going to take to cut the weight and stay at the weight, maintain it and be good. So I think that's the only thing that makes me kind of feel more comfortable with with the decision. I mean, obviously, they're making that decision for a reason. Mm -hmm. And again, Kevin Dresser's a mastermind at this stuff. So what a Homer thing to say, right? Like mastermind Kevin Dresser. It's all right. Um, this is podcast is for a place called Cyclone Fanatic. I think we're allowed to be a little bit of a Homer. Listen, with wrestling, I feel like a Homer for so many teams just because I love the sport. Oh, I could pat myself on the back. Do it. NCAA wrestling shared my They picture. sure did. I saw that. I was, Aiden texted me and I told him, I was like, Aiden, they posted it. And he's like, I thought you'd already seen it. I hadn't. <laughs> they like shared it. I don't even remember what time it was, but I saw it after I got done doing all my work post duel. And I was like, oh, cause I remember, I think it was last year. They did a like picture of the week mm. or photo of the week. And I was talking to the Iowa state guys. And I think it was Davis that was like, I think they only share team stuff. So like, I think it can only be our pictures. And I was so devastated. <laughs> I was like, no, I want to be able to have something. And if all I have is that they shared it, I'll take it. You got it. It was a picture of Nate Carr Jr. and David Carr hugging for context. It was right after David won, which again, what a storybook situation, right? David wins his match, runs straight to his brother to share a hug, mm-hmm. which is pretty sweet. Yeah. How often, how often do families get to do that? How wow. many brothers are in college wrestling in that situation? Not very many. So, yeah, no, we're excited. Um, Like I said, I'll be in Humboldt, so I'll be tweeting as always. I'll take pictures. I'll do my best to get those up that day is my fingers crossed. Um, So we'll have plenty of content. As Ben said, he has a good interview coming up this week, so he'll have. We don't know it's good yet. We think it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It should be good with Chris Bono. It'll definitely be good. Yeah. 
Um, so we'll have that at Cycling Fanatics. So yeah, plenty of coverage this week, as always. Um, like we said, it'll be on UFC Fight Pass. So if you want to watch, that's what you'll have to do. We do recommend it. No one is paying us to say that. Genuinely just a good experience. I really like it. And I hope it sticks around, honestly. Yep, very good. It's, it's ESPN plus basketball, men's basketball quality. Like it's, yeah. it's very, very good. I, it, and yeah, very good. Better than flow <laughs> wrestling without a doubt. <laughs> Always got to get that, in, get that in. Right. Um, or like we said, you can listen to Nate Carr. And we really need to remember what the, the other guy's name is. Yeah, yeah. He does a good job. He too. does a great he was, job. Sorry. He was hilarious during the Cleveland state trying to make sure to remember to say three. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, like I said, all the content coming this week, as always, thanks to our sponsor, Fairway, who are huge supporters of the sport of wrestling and especially Iowa State Wrestling. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be back. Thanks for listening, guys.